welcome to the podcast of Calvary Baptist Church of Taylorville, Illinois. I hope this podcast stirs your desire for the things of God, and we hope that your faith in Christ will grow like never before. Now let's get into the podcast. Amen. High five the person you're next to and say, you're going to hear something good today. You're going to hear something good today. God's too invested in what's going on for you not to hear something. Hey, if you are brand new to Calvary, my name is Chad. I'm the lead pastor and pretty much the lead communicator here. So good to have you in the house. Um, Hopefully this won't just be a, uh, a thing that you just drop in and see us. Hopefully you just come on in and stay a long while. That's what we're looking for. With you, so hey, if uh, if you are brand new or if you're not brand new, we're actually starting a new series today called Victorious, and Victorious is really just a continuation of some things that we've been talking about for the last several months. We've been going verse by verse through this book in the New Testament called Ephesians, and a guy by the name of Paul wrote this letter to the church in Ephesus, and the church was going pretty good, kind of like Calvary. The church is going pretty good, so. The Apostle Paul, he writes this letter to a church that was doing pretty good, no big, big issues. And he spends much of this letter um, just writing to them, explaining to them what it means to be a Christian, what it means to have an identity rooted in Christ. He, He goes at length and he talks about some things about where they've been and then also where they are and and how they're all together. And he uses these words that I would just like to to just bring together for us this morning. He uses these words and he says that they're blessed. And he comes right out of the gate and he says that they're blessed. And then also there's this language, especially in Ephesians 4, where he talks about them being together and just like what it means to be together. And now as we make our way into this part of, of this amazing ancient letter, we not only see that the church was blessed and they were together, but they were also to be living victoriously. So what we're going to be seeing and experiencing over the next several weeks, hopefully you tune into all of these messages and that you just receive what it is that God has for you, but we're going to be talking about how we can battle spiritually so that we can live victoriously. Anybody in for that? So we need to know how to do this. If not, we will fall prey to the enemy's plan. So hopefully you didn't miss last week's message and Vision Sunday. We talked about uh, some amazing things and just really the direction, not of all that we're going to do, but just the direction of our heart as we lean forward to just do more in 24, to just do one more in 24, no matter what that is, however it is that God leads us. Hopefully you didn't miss that. If so, you can go back and check it out on YouTube, listen to the podcast, however you want to catch it. On Facebook, you can get it. Anyway, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. And just by way of introduction into this section, I want us to read kind of a longer section than what I'm going to preach. And we're going to read from verses 10 to 18. And we're going to be spending, again, weeks on these things. And we're really just going to camp out on one verse. But I want you to see just the, the, the full swath of verses here and what it is the Apostle Paul is trying to get across to the church in Ephesus and also to us today. Verse 10 of Ephesians 6 says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, 
but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints." The Apostle Paul has made this official transition into talking about spiritual warfare. What I would like for us to, if there's one thing that I could help you to understand and maybe to encourage you with, for you to be inspired with, it's this truth. That we need to understand our spiritual position before we can utilize God's spiritual power. We have to understand our spiritual position before we can utilize God's spiritual power. If we don't know our spiritual position in Christ, then we're going to try and amass a certain amount of power or energy or manifest something within ourselves to conquer the spiritual battles. But our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not. We have an enemy who is who seeks to to seek, kill, and destroy, to destroy peace and hope and love and and to all the, the great things about what it means to be a human being. We have an enemy that opposes you and he opposes me and he opposes us as a church. I love how the Apostle Paul, he ends in verse 18 after he gets done with this, these amazing truths that we're going to discover over the next several weeks. In verse 18, what does he say? And I just love this. I was so encouraged by this. He goes through and he says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying for all the saints. Wow, the way that we're going to be moving forward in 24 and beyond is for us to be praying for, leaning towards one another, encouraging one another, lifting each other up, and then spurring one another on to love and good deeds is what the Word of God says. But we have to be people of prayer, praying for one another, not just for ourselves. Another kind of funny way to look at this, what I would like to do is is to, to help you Maybe take some of the wobble out of your knees so you learn how to stand. Because some of us, we have kind of wobbly knees, don't we? We have wobbly knees, spiritually wobbly knees, maybe some things that we've done, maybe some things we need to learn or things we need to relearn, maybe a life that we just need to recommit our life to Christ or we just need to get to know Jesus. Whatever the case may be, in the world that we live in and and all the attacks that come our way, sometimes we have wobbly knees. And I want you, uh, through the power of God and just the Word of God and the Holy Spirit working within you, uh, my hope and desire is for you to have Uh, knees to stand, a backbone to stand, courage to stand, and a belief in God to stand. But we can't underestimate our enemy. We can't. We can't underestimate our enemy. There's an example from history of somebody who underestimated his enemy, and it was Napoleon. Napoleon had, had, had all sorts of victories in battle, and yet he, because of all of these past victories, he thought that past victories guarantee future success, and they don't. 
As a matter of fact, if we just cling to past victories, and that's what we cling to, there's, there's, there's good aspects of it, knowing that and being encouraged by that, spiritually speaking, for sure. But yet Napoleon, he started to take for granted his enemy that he opposed. In 1812, Napoleon, the man that he was, ego-driven, all these things that history kind of encapsulates in his life, he started to underestimate his enemy, and he was pounced in 1812 by the Russians. We have all sorts of examples from history of this, of people from history, but then also, spiritually speaking, we can't just allow past successes to think that they're going to determine future success. For us, we have to always understand our enemy and not underestimate our enemy. We have to understand that, that, that our enemy is not flesh and blood. It's not our wives. It's not our kids. It's not our in-laws. It's not our friends or our old friends. There is an enemy that opposes us. There is a world system that opposes us. There's the flesh that we need to be rid of so that we can lean into what it is that God has for us. So in verse 11, I read this. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes, our enemy. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities and powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So the spiritual forces against us are uh, just encapsulated three things from this passage. They're cunning. The devil schemes. He's the accuser. Have you ever noticed that, that when we start to feel a sense of shame in our life, it's because the devil reminds us of something that we know that we have done. So he reminds us of something. We may be forgiven. We may have absolutely be forgiven. We may be walking in the spirit, but the accuser, being so cunning in his approach, he reminds us of something that we have done in the past. But perhaps what we need to do is remind him of his future. But yet, that's how the devil works. He's a tempter. He tempts us with things that we like. There are things that I don't like, and that's not that there, there's things that I'm, I'm not tempted uh, with. And God, you know, Satan doesn't tempt me with those things. I'm never tempted with things that I don't like. I'm always tempted with the things that I do like, that my natural inclinations go towards. He's cunning in his approach. He's also powerful. Notice in this passage, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Whether these prince, uh, principalities and powers, uh, there's different ways of looking at this. Some people believe that this is actually a rank structure in hell of the demons, the, the angels that were fallen, and they chose to, to disobey God and walk away from God, and they willfully chose that to go by way of Satan, that there's some people who believe that this is actually a hierarchy of the demons in hell. I don't know if that's true or not. Part of my discovery, I haven't got to that yet. I don't know exactly what this is, but I can tell you that there's power there. There's power that's strong, stronger than, than maybe what we think that it is, and can do more damage than what we think that it can. It's also wicked. Power itself is neutral, is it not? But the, but the dark forces of evil, they're indeed wicked. There are things that we can participate here on earth that are also leading into wickedness. Uh, tarot cards are one of those things. Crystals are another one of those things. Mediums and spiritualists, they are demonic. They are wicked. 
there's, there's no room in a believer's life for any of those things. And I implore you, even if you're not a follower of Jesus and you're dabbling in, in the new age spirituality and those things, I just implore you, it's going to be best for you just to avoid those things. And maybe, maybe God would speak to you if you stop dabbling in the wickedness because there's power there and Satan is so cunning in his approach. Now, I want to talk to you today. There's three main Things we're going to draw from right from verse 10. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord. Of course, he's, he's getting to the, to the end of his letter, and he says, finally. We know this even from the English language. When you hear that, you're like, ah, oh, take a deep breath. It's almost over. Okay, the sermon is not almost over. Don't take a deep breath. We're going to be here a while, okay? You're like, is he saying that? No, he's not. He's not. Finally, if you're filling in blanks, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. That, that word literally means be strengthened, to be strengthened in the Lord. Be strengthened in the Lord. What's tricky is if you came to me and you said, Pastor, hey, I want to be physically fit. I'm a certified personal trainer. I could take you and I could help you become physically fit. I could maybe encourage you to take some steps toward health. Maybe start talking about some diet changes or maybe put you on a fitness plan. And, and, and if you committed to that plan that you would see, you'd see benefits from it. Or even if you didn't even want to talk to person, somebody like me, I could like slide you like an old school P90X video. Let Tony Horton just shred you up. Like I could do that. And if you did that and like you did all that at home, and you could physically, you could have your body changed by simply committing to that, and it would be about you. You can't fight spiritual battles with physical strength. You can't fight spiritual battles with your own willpower. You can't fight spiritual battles with earthly things. The way that we're going to win spiritual battles is for us to embrace spiritual truths. And for us to embrace the spiritual truths that we see in the gospel, the truths about Jesus Christ, the truths about God the Father, and the truths about the Holy Spirit who, who lives in every believer and then becomes the, the, the strength and the power that we need to overcome this darkness. But Paul says to be strengthened in the Lord to be strengthened in the Lord. Also, Paul wrote to Timothy, his young protege, in 1 Timothy 6.10. And, and Timothy is an interesting guy because even in the writing and how Paul encourages him, you can see that, that Timothy was a little timid. There were some things that he needed to be reminded of that other people probably didn't need to be reminded of, but perhaps you do need to be reminded of the same thing that Timothy was. This is what Paul said to Timothy, a young man that he loved, that he cared for, that he mentored. He says, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Paul is, is going to Timothy and he's saying, hey, he's like, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called 
And remember the good confession that you made. Remember that you made that confession of faith in front of those people. Remember that. That's your testimony. There's power in that testimony. There's power in that faith. There's, there's power in remembering in who you were and yet who you are and the God who strengthened you along the way. He's like, there's, there's power. There's knowledge there. There's some great things there. And he says, fight the good fight of faith. For some of you, I am your pastor, and for others, I haven't earned that privilege yet, but I just want to just encourage anyone who's listening, fight the good fight of faith. Stand in the gap for yourself, for your loved ones. Pray for people. Get to know the Word of God. Get to know the God who wrote the Word. See, we're, we're strong for a lot of different things, but I would just narrow it down. We're strong for service. I love how the strength in the Lord isn't just some abstract thing. It isn't something that just gives us the ability to, and the courage to be able to come in and sing songs. That it's actually to serve God, whether it's serving God within the church or outside of the church. But, he, but that strength that is there, when, we, when we're strengthened in the Lord, there's a strength to serve Him. It's, it's the... It's the strength to serve him that when, when, when you, maybe you've, you've agreed to, to serve at the church on that particular Sunday or, or maybe to come in to, to serve in prayer team on Thursday or, or something, maybe team kid on Wednesday night or maybe student ministry on Sunday night. And it's that, it's that ability and that spiritual strength that although you're not feeling it in your flesh, that God spiritually allows you to muster up exactly what you need to be present in that moment to serve him and to serve others. It's not abstract. It's, we're strong for service. We're also strong for suffering. Nobody walks through this life unscathed. No one does. And, and we're, God wants to strengthen his kids even through times of suffering. It amazes me every time when I see somebody who has a deep walk with God and then they're and then they're in the midst of suffering and people on the outside look at that and say how in the world can you be so strong in this moment how can how in the world can you can your life not be falling apart how in the world can this happen and yet what most of the time what they tell you is it's not me it's Jesus in me it's strong for suffering and it's also strong for spiritual battles because the Christian life is a battleground, not a playground. If I could give an illustration, it would be this. For some of us, talking about being strong in the Lord, it's, it's kind of like this glove that I have right here. You can't see it, but you'll be able to see it in a minute. This glove was meant for work. It's meant for work. But some of us, we start talking about being strong in the Lord, our life becomes like this. Maybe we try different approaches to, to have this life that we want or to have strength that we want or things that are on offer from God. And sometimes we just go about even ourselves or somebody else and we just try, and, we just try tough love. We're like, hey, get up, Okay. You stop wallowing in this, just get up. Just, just get up and do the thing. Be, just be strong, stand up for once in your life. Have courage, do something, pray, whatever. Just do it. 
Sometimes we try tough love. And sometimes we go the exact opposite. We just said, oh, honey, oh, you're going through a tough time. I know. I know. I know I've been there. I've been there before, and we just try to encourage. And we just try and encourage them so much, and maybe we go in and we try and pep them up a little bit. And it just doesn't seem to work. It just doesn't seem to work. Sometimes we go, we go the route of fellowship. It's what we do. And we love some fellowship around here. So we try fellowship. We got some, we got some multicultural fellowship right here. So we try, we try and fellowship it a little bit. We get some, we get some of our, our, some of our friends who just, I don't know, they love the fellowship and the banquet. I don't know what this represents. Here we go. We got, we try and fellowship them. But then sometimes we also kind of surround ourselves with some people been through some things. You know what I mean? It's like we just try and fellowship them. And then we just try and stack it all, all up. And then we wonder why the person just doesn't have strength. And we try all these things. We try fellowship. We try tough love. We just try encouragement. I mean, the glove was meant for work. But in order for this, this glove to work, it has to have a living thing in it. For you and I to win spiritual battles, we need the Spirit of God in us in us to fill in all of our gaps, to complete all of our insufficiencies, to, to help us to right our wrongs that we can, to remember who it is that we are. You see, many of these things, they have a place, but at the end of the day, when we're, we're talking about being strong in the Lord, those things are not meant to do what only God can do. Because when God fills us, then we know how to wield the power of the word. That's when we know. And that's the power that we need. Because if we don't have the power of God, if we're not being strengthened in the Lord, then we'll simply try all of these other methods and they, will, they, they, they may help in an instant, but they won't help in the long term because they were never meant to do what only Jesus Christ can do. And to fill us, complete us, move us, make us, rebuke us, correct us, train us. So we need to be strong in the Lord. The second thing, if you're taking notes, being strong in the Lord. One church historian said this, to be strong in the Lord, it's to be strengthened in word and wisdom. And I'll add to it, in the application of that truth. It's to, be, it's to be strong in word and wisdom in applying that truth. The truth is the Christian's identity rests in Christ. I want to support this claim with some other verses right here from Ephesians. Things that I've preached in the past just to help remind you if you're a Christian about your identity in him. If you're ready, say I am. Verse 10, Ephesians 2 says this, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. 
back one chapter, Ephesians 1, 11 through 14 says this, in him, in Christ, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be, uh, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard of the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked with him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. The Apostle Paul has he spent time in this letter using these words, reminding Christians of who they are, that they were adopted and chosen and predestined according to a plan that God is actually working out a plan in their life. Their, their life is not chaos. There's actually a plan, and God is moving through you. And, and if, it, when we commit our lives to him, we also start to see this life open up in front of us. We're included in Christ. We're marked with the Holy Spirit. To give God glory. The Christian is to live life identifying with Christ. It's not just a knowledge. It's also to live a life identifying in Christ. You see, everyone, when they're born, we're born spiritually blind. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says this, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ who is the exact likeness of God. Paul explains this a little further in Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 7. He says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at that time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we, even Christians, were by nature objects of wrath. But, here's the transition talking about Christians. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. That's a good place for an amen, people. He made us alive in Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you've been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. It's a verse 7. See, the bad news is we all start... Spiritually blind. And those of us who have been enlightened with the truth of the gospel, that happened not because of our own doing, it's because of God's initiation. And because the Holy Spirit spoke to you, you responded to that. That's, that's the, the personal element, human responsibility. But the Holy Spirit spoke to you, convicted you of your sin, you repented of your sin, you're turning your life over to God, and now the Holy Spirit is, is filling you. You're filled with the Spirit. We're not to grieve the Spirit, but we're filled with the Spirit, which means the incomparable riches in Christ that Paul just talked about are actually in your life if you're in Christ. 
So what might this mean? It means the believers do not fight for victory. We fight from victory. We don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. Because I've seen how this, I've seen how this book ends. This is really a library. I don't know if you know that or not. It's not really a book, but we call it a book. It's a library. But, but I've seen how it ends. And it, it ends with, with God on his throne and Satan defeated. That's how it ends. We need to be stepping into this truth. I'm going to end with the last point. Don't say finally just yet. We're not quite there. Who knows? I don't know where this is going to go. It could go longer. So don't take a deep breath and say finally yet. Back to our original passage. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And in his mighty power. Three different things I'll share with you in regards to this power. Jesus Christ is stronger than Satan. John 14, 30 says this, I will not speak with you much longer. This is the words of Jesus. For the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold on me, is what Jesus says. Second thing, Jesus Christ came to destroy Satan's work. 1 John 3, 8 He who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. To destroy the devil's work. And the last thing, and I got a passage to back that up to, is his power, Jesus' power, is the believer's power. Ephesians 1, 18 through 23 says this, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him in the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Are you experiencing spiritual victories? Are you experiencing spiritual defeat? I know that what I've talked about is not simple. Conceptually, it's easy to understand, but it's not simple to apply. And I understand that. And it's definitely not easy. But when you say yes to Jesus, it becomes easier. 
because it becomes easier because it's not you mustering up the willpower and strength and the courage and bravery and all of these things. Instead, it's not just you. It's the Holy Spirit in you, allowing you, empowering you, equipping you, calling you, and moving you. And the reciprocal effect of that is abundant life. I don't know about you, but I need some abundant life. Amen? Would you stand with me? I need some victories myself. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a humbling thing to be the one who's the, the bringer of the word. Because I can look at my own life and say, God, I, I'm not even leaning into that like I should. I can, I can look at passages like this and, 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 and just see my shortcomings. And I'm sure you can too. What I found in my personal life, and, and I just commend to you, is God is so gracious in those moments. If there's sin that needs to be confessed, He's gracious to receive it and gracious to forgive it. If there's a prayer that needs to be prayed and maybe you, you don't have a, a sin to confess but you're just in the middle of battle and you pray and you ask for God's strength, God honors that when we're humble and he gives us what we need. Let us end this day not just with singing a song but let's end it in the way that God intends it to be ended in our own lives. Is there something you need to pray about? Is there a person you need to pray about? Is there a situation you need to pray about? Is there something going on in your life to where you need to ask God to intervene and you want to? Now's the time to do business with him if God is so leading you to do it. Let's respond in the way that God intends.